Welcome to NL Full Time. I'm Luke Edwards. Thank you very much for joining us all once again. And joining us as always, we have Dicky Wharton. Hello, Dicky. Good Luke. No, uh, no, Joe. This week he's enjoying the, uh, the thoroughfare of the Papa John's Trophy at Wembley Stadium. But we have got Rob Worrell back. Hello, Rob. Yeah, good to be back. I uh, hope Joe's enjoying it as we record this. Plymouth are two 0 down, aren't they, to Bolton? So uh, he might not be enjoying it as much. But I thought he'd hate Plymouth being a Tarky fan. <laughs> well, he did post something saying Green Army earlier on, so um, I think he's supporting the team from the southwest. We're going to start off with um, off the field stuff during midweek um, with Wrexham. Um, some interesting developments in terms of agents' fees. They've paid the highest agents' fees, as you might expect. And also, Dickie, uh, financial losses, quite a big financial loss published, wasn't it? And a lot of it was down, I think, to them being in a National League and then the COVID with the loans and things like that. But it's um, they've, they've tried to quell all the worries a little bit this week, haven't they? The thing with financial results is that a picture up to a set point in time Um um, I'm not quite exactly to June the 30th, 2022. So uh, that was what they ran up to. Um, you know, turnover increased by 400%. I mean, that's the money, just simply the money going in and out of the business. But, you know, there's massive increases in, in merchandising, etc. cetera. Um, part of that increase as well is, you know, outlay on player wages, et cetera. It says um, football costs, uh, went up by 294%, so from 1.34 million to 3.94 million. So, um, you know, that's essentially your in, your investment in in your playing squad you've got there with players like Paul Mullen and Ben Tozer, et cetera, coming on board, and, and the length of contracts, I would think, as well. Um, they did make a loss for the period, um, of up to, uh, well, 2.91 million. Um, and there was some quite substantial loans to the football club as well from the RR McReynolds company, which is essentially, um, Ron McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds together. I don't think that's to be unexpected. You know, the new owners into a football club in order to sort of getting it moving in the direction they want it to will lend money to the football club. And yes, it appears in the accounts as, as debt because it is owed to them but it is always that question of are they ever going to ask for it back and if there's not a worry about them asking for it back um in the short to medium term then you know it, it's quite normal we've seen lots of um Wrexham fans sort of having a bit of a swipe at Notts County for the fact that their accounts showed that they have £14 million worth of debt, which is owed to directors. But again, that's not an issue unless those directors decide they want their money back. Um, so, yeah, that uh, it doesn't take into account things like, um, you know, the, the money from Welcome to Wrexham, etc. So I, I think in some ways it, it almost... Yeah, the scale is big because we're talking about millions, but it looks like it's a lot of that initial funding that goes into getting a business, you know, going in the right direction when you set one up. You know, small businesses rarely make profits in their first few years because of all those setup costs, etc. I mean, I know Wrexham aren't brand new, but they are brand new under the McReynolds company. So um, interesting, but, 
you know, nothing to worry about here if you're a Wrexham fan, I don't think. I'm not a financial expert, but I, I don't think any, there was anything in there that was um, alarming. You know, there's financial people have looked at it and, and, and seem to be, feel that it is quite regular, quite normal. The McReynolds thing makes me laugh, actually. It just sounds like a spin-off of McDonald's, doesn't it? You know, that they're trying to... Uh, we'll have a cheaper version of McDonald's. It's called the Mc, McReynolds. <laughs> Maybe that's next. Maybe that's next. Who knows? The Wrexham logo... You know, on the lid of the uh, your box for your burger or something like that. Who knows? Other burger, other burger, burger establishments are available, of course, not just McDonald's. Um, of course, Rob, Rob, and Ryan are good businessmen because they say on his LinkedIn it says um, Ryan Reynolds, um, full time entrepreneur, part time owner. But Rob, I know you were uh, itching to talk about the agents fees. Just, just, just to say that the the overall amount of them. Um, I think it was in the region of 500,000. Um, Wrexham were responsible for approximately one-fifth of that. And then obviously other clubs, this is in the National League only, isn't it? And the National League North and South. Uh, a lot of clubs, of course, didn't have any agents fees at all. So um might be a piece of interest in reading for Rob and Ryan if they get to see it, um, how much they've paid out as a club in comparison to... Uh, um, other clubs, what they've paid, and, and other clubs who've not paid anything at all. Of course, if you're going to go shopping in League One and League Two, um, then it's not abnormal to have those agents' fees. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it, it's down to them. Uh, it's down to them what they what they're prepared to spend and speculate and accumulate. And of course, I'm sure somewhere in the plan is something a little bit more sustainable. Uh, obviously, once that grounds. Uh, you know, finish the work to expand it. Obviously, they've been without um, a, a huge section of the capacity with the uh, stand being rebuilt. So um, they're still getting, what, just under 10,000, I think. Um, I'm not sure what the capacity will go up to uh, for next season, but uh, it could well be more like 14,000. And I think a lot of the money that's going in there as well is is being put in with the view to making the club more sustainable in the long term so that you know that they don't have to put any more of their money in um i hesitate to say it but i don't think they've actually had to put a huge amount of money in because with with what they get back from the episodes of welcome to rexham etc it's kind of a self-funding they're leveraging their celebrity basically um to 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 do an awful lot of this so i don't think they've had to actually commit an awful lot of their own money um in context and and with things like the development of the ground you know it might come to a point where they might remain you know more in the background um or or might eventually step away but the idea is to leave it on a more sustainable footing i'm sure so before we look at the national league results rob well i'll let you explain because the news kind of broke after well, Aldershot didn't have a game. It was called off their game against Wheelstone, wasn't it? But some news broke around an hour after full-time of all the other games. It did, really. I mean, if we're going to cover it chronologically, perhaps um, perhaps Greg can go first because uh, the news broke on Saturday evening, didn't it, with a, a few a few tweets from uh, Kings Lynn to explain that uh, something had happened on the managerial front. To look through it all with us... Um, it is Greg Plummer from the Lynn News newspaper. Hello, Greg. Hi there. How you doing? Yeah, well, Dickie's just said that people were wondering if it was a late April Fool. I mean, the joke was kind of on. The joke was on Kings Lynn in the end, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I I, I literally came in last night. I came in. I've been covering another local game, a, a, a team, 
at step six. Uh, came in last night about six o'clock, and within a few minutes, obviously the club had released a number about four or five tweets. Uh, obviously confirming that Tommy had resigned from his position as manager at Kingsley Town. Um, yeah, so that was basically it. This was about six o'clock last night. So it was obviously after the game yesterday. Lim won one nil yesterday at Chorley in the National League North. And then within a few, few minutes of that, obviously the chairman's had a discussion with the manager and it's kind of been made common. Well, if I say common knowledge, it was totally out of the blue, to be fair. Um, it's been made, people have been made aware of the situation via the club's Twitter feed. It, it's incredible, really. And, 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 and in, in fact, even last night, I had a few people saying to me, is this, is this an April Fool's? Because people generally thought, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't true. So, you know, the timing was, um, was unbelievable, really. I was going to ask you about that. That, that. that was my next question. The timing seems really odd, certainly at this stage of the season. It, you wonder why he just didn't do this at the end of the season, whether you got whether Ling went up or not. Well, you have to ask yourselves, I, I mean, we'll talk about the statement, I'm sure, um, you know, the statement, the shoulder shot have released, you know. Lin, Lin a second in the league, OK, they're, they're, their hopes of getting automatic promotion are sort of hanging by a thread a little bit now, you know, it's fair to say. But they're second in the league, they had a 1-0 win yesterday, and then within sort of half an hour of the game finishing, the manager has resigned. Um, totally bizarre. You know, you, 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 you couldn't make it up, really, could you? Mr. Worrell, you have a right to respond. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw it at the time. I thought it. I thought it looked rather odd. It did actually say one of those tweets actually said not just that he'd resigned, that he was off to join another club. Um, and um, yeah, to be honest with you, in our WhatsApp group, we were we were having a little guess about what that club might be, and I think our consensus was that it might it might be Yeovil, where Mark Cooper's only in position till the end of the season, and he's made a few uh, unsatisfactory. Uh, noises about the goings-on behind the scenes there. Um, I did hear one rumour very late on that he was going to uh, Aldershot, and that one surprised me. But um, as we all know by now, um, those rumblings continued. And, uh, you know, at uh, noon on Sunday, uh, Tommy Widrington was was confirmed as the new manager of Aldershot Town. Um, it all seems a little bit messy, that's for sure. Um, definitely seems to me like there's one or two loose ends not quite tied up um, at this point can I mention somebody that I've become very fond of um, as a person, as a manager and that's Ross McNeely um, who stepped up at short notice uh, and did a fantastic job um, got three wins on the bounce, a couple of heavy defeats and then another couple of wins and has actually lifted Aldershot from where they were in the bottom four to a position of relative safety, um, and then was hit by the massive hammer blow of Aldershot losing in the Effion. Um, and undoubtedly, Ross and the team have struggled since Effion moved on, and they have slipped back towards those relegation places. His target when he came in was to get the team to 50 points. He's on 43 with six games to go. Uh, it looked like he'd do that comfortably. Now it looks like, you know, they obviously they're going to need to dig out a couple of wins to make sure they are safe. But Ross 
um, at this point, according to the statement, has gone back to his position as head of the academy at Aldershot. Um, I've spoken with Ross this morning. He is going to do the right thing here. He's going to take a week off. He's going to reflect uh, and think about what his future might be. But I just have to take this opportunity to thank him for grasping that opportunity, for being very, very grateful about it, very humble, being very personable, lifting the mood around Aldershot Town and playing his part in keeping them up if they do stay up this season. Um, as for Widrington, let me flip it back if I can to you, Greg. Um, it has seemed from time to time that things weren't perfectly right there, were they, for him at Kingsland? What can you say about the uh, situation there? Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, it all came to a head a couple of weeks back and I think that was the beginning of the end, to be fair. It was after the home defeat by Fylde, which was obviously a huge game in the context of the National League North title, uh, which which Kinslin obviously lost 1-0. And uh, after the game, uh, there, was a, there was an outburst from Widrington, which all towards a home supporter. And, and, and at the time, it all seemed a little bit bizarre. And, you know, you look at that, you look back at that now and, and you think to yourselves, hmm, was something going on, you know, was something in the pipeline then? Because, you know, it's not normally the way a manager would behave, uh, you know, to your own supporters. You know, even, if, look, we, we all know what football supporters can be like. You know, they can say things and emotion, we know emotions run high in football. But, you know, for a manager to respond in the way he did, you know, he obviously went after that. He had to be restrained from going into the crowd after the fan. You know, and you just you just wonder if something was going on a couple of weeks back when, you, you know, you, you look at uh, you, you look back at that night. So I think that was probably a pivotal moment. And, and, and ever since then, there's been a little bit of a rift between the supporters who, up until that point, Widrington had a very good relationship with. Um, but since then, obviously, it's been a very frosty relationship. And and then, obviously, this, this happens yesterday. Yeah, no, I'm, I think it was a couple of weeks ago as well, there was a statement, you're probably ready, it may well have been a report from yourself, Greg, where Tommy had mentioned um, the level of support from the public in Kings Lynn and yes. felt that, you yeah. know, having delivered uh, a team that was contending for the title, that they deserved more support. And he, and he, he I think he even wrote... I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but he said, you know, if we go up, but are only getting the size of crowds we're getting at the moment, you know, we'll, we'll almost be laughed out of town in the league above. He, 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 I, there was a bit of me wondered how well that had gone down with the supporters as well. Yeah, again, you know, during that night when we interviewed Tommy after the game, he actually said that he'd he'd walked through the town centre in, in, in Kings Lynn and that he'd gone in every single shop in the town centre and that there wasn't one representation of the football club in any of those shops. And, you know, coupled with the lack of support through the gates as well, you know, he made his feelings, you know, he did make his feelings clear, you know, would the, can the football club sustain a club at national league level, you know, if they were to go up. So, Again, that night, that was I think that was the week before, two weeks before the filed game. And then obviously with what happened at the filed game as well, things have not probably been as they seem for the last month at, 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 at the club. 
And uh, obviously results haven't been brilliant. Um, uh, but they haven't, you know, they certainly, Lynn haven't been in the form they were before they, you know, the FA Cup run against Stevenage where they lost in the second round. So since then, things have gradually, because of injuries and, and, and lack of crowds, things have been beginning, been beginning to sort of, Simmer, simmer underneath. Just for the record, Greg, what what's um, the average crowd at Kingsland this season? I think off off the top of my head, it's about the eleven hundred, about eleven hundred mark, <laughs> which is um, it's actually less. Um, it's less than when they obviously last. I think they're lower than last season. The gates, so you know, gates have not been good. I mean, obviously, we did get. I think it was 1800 for the filed game, but you know, the support has been very, very um, inconsistent, you know, inconsistent really. So it has been a, you, you know, and again, there's a, there's arguments going on behind the scenes with supporters and, and, and obviously the chairman about ticket prices. So it's all, this has sort of been rumbled on in the background, you know, ever since really Ian Colverhouse was manager, you know, before he left. Talking of the chairman, Mr. Cleaver, have you spoken to him? What's the reaction been? I'm guessing it's not been a happy one. He's. I have. I've spoken. In fact, I spoke. I spoke to him about half an hour before I came on here. Actually, um, he's not happy. Obviously, um, he's been very, very careful what he says at the at this moment in time uh, because he is in contact with 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 lawyers and. Obviously, he's looking to take the matter further, and uh, I think the, uh, the the statement from Aldershot has just added fuel to the fire, really, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, the statement basically saying that um, Ross McNeely's been relieved of his duties, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't have it in front of me, but um, that Tommy Widrington will be coming in from Monday, and, and also that... Uh, um, and also that... Um, when the chairman of Aldershot heard that Tommy Widrington had resigned, he wanted to act quickly to secure his services. So that's the official statement. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess it might have been that last line that um, has uh, touched a nerve. Greg, Greg, <laughs> well, Greg, Greg, Greg chuckled at that. You enjoyed that last line there, Greg. To, to be honest, I mean, I, I, you know, I think it's laughable, and you know, I, I, I don't want to cast dispersions, but you can't tell me that the, the the managers resigned, and within literally five minutes of him resigning, the the old shop chairman has uh, has contacted uh, Tommy uh, to say, you know, his, you know, the jobs available, and obviously at the time. Did Ross McNeely, you know, Ross McNeely wasn't aware of any of this either. So there's mm. been a, a, there's certainly in my eyes, there's been a little bit of wrongdoing in a, in, in, in a couple of areas. One, one would assume that in the list of 50 candidates that applied for the Aldershot Town job when it was available after Mark Mosley was sacked, that in some of the subsequent conversations, whether they were informal or formal interviews, um, that there may have been a dialogue going back to then, you know, involving Widrington. I don't know that. I'm not. I have no inside information. But um, I think there was a long situation from the Aldershot point of view. Would 
Ross McNeely just come in for a few games um, to hold the fort until someone else came in. And there was a real period, prolonged period of uncertainty. You know, was he doing well enough to get off of the job full time or did they need a manager of experience? And so there will have been managers and I'm not, this isn't particular to Tommy Widrington. There will have been managers in or out of work that were waiting to see what happened with the Aldershot job. One would think that some prior discussions had gone on um, back at the time and whether that was from one side to the other or the other way back or permission was granted. I know, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. But um, it, certainly, it certainly does seem a little bit of a messy situation. One thing I can clarify, and I don't think it'd take a rocket scientist to work this out, Aldershot are not the sort of club that can go in for a, for a manager um, and pay compensation for him. They just don't have that kind of funding. They're one of the more limited budgeted teams in the National League. Um, and so they would probably only try and secure the services of somebody like Matt, uh, like Tommy Widrington, um, if he was freely available. Um, so whether that one rumbles on or not, I don't know. Um, it's for the legal people, isn't it, really, to, to, to look at that one. Can I ask you, Greg, before we sort of debate it to death, um, some of the um, attributes of Tommy Widrington and, and whether you think he's uh, equipped to uh, do a good job at a, a, another club in the league higher. Well, he's, you know, he came in at, he came into Lynn last season and, you know, the club were, were, were virtually relegated when he came in. You know, he came in in December and, you know, he had to redo, do a lot of rebuilding, bring bring his own players, bring a number of his own players in. So he didn't really have a lot of time. But one thing you did notice that, you know, there was a complete change of the way Kings Lynn approached games. There was a lot more commitment. Uh, the, the performances improved immensely. They were very unlucky in a couple of games as well. And, you know, in the end, I think relegation was confirmed with two or three games to go last season. You know, he almost pulled it off. And you do wonder, had he came, had he come in sort of a month, two months earlier, you know, whether he would have kept them up. So, you know, I can't, you know, and he's done a, he's done a reasonable job this season. Um, you know, you can't knock what he's done. Second in the National League North, it's a tough league. There's some very, very good sides in there. Second round proper of the, uh, of the FA Cup. And I think it's the FA Cup run that has probably stored, you know, Kinslin Town's promotion aspirations because they've just had so many games to play in these last few weeks. So, but in terms of, of can he keep Aldershot up? Most certainly. I mean, if he comes if he comes comes in and does exactly the same as what he did at Kinsley and hits the ground running, then I I think Aldershot should be able to pick up those couple of wins that they're looking for. Yeah, it was more about whether he's got the credentials to take Aldershot forward next season. And one of the things I would point out in his favour is uh, Kings Lynn are the top goal scorers in the National League, just the one goal more than Fylde and two more than Darlington. But uh, a decent home record as well, 14 wins, three draws and three losses. And anybody connected with Aldershot Town will tell you that the one thing any new manager has to do coming in to Aldershot is improve the home form. Ross tried, Mark Molesley tried, Danny Searle tried. It's been wretched now for four or five seasons um, and that will be one of the key criteria, I'm sure, that uh, that uh, Aldershot will be looking to 
you know, to get out of Widrington's appointment. Um, what type of football does it? Is he been playing a good a good brand of football, Greg? Yeah, it's. Uh, the, I mean, the football's been good. You know, they can mix it up. They can play a bit of long ball, but mainly they've been keeping it on the ground, on the floor, playing some good stuff. So. And his home record at Lynn is very, very good as well. So that bodes well for Aldershot. The fact that Lynn didn't lose a home game until I think it was January this year. So obviously Kingsland will make the playoffs, but how much will this derail them when they do reach the playoffs? Do you think this will really sort of kill the momentum? And, and can they get promoted now, do you think? I think we we still can, but you do have to ask yourselves, you know, what effect is this going to have on the players? Obviously, you've got, um, for example, you've got Tommy Widrington's son, Theo, in, you know, he's part of the, the Kinsland Town midfield. So, you know, it seems, you know, you do have to ask yourselves, you know, what effect is that going to have on somebody like himself, you know, on Theo? So it, it, it's a tough one. It's either going to, it's going to work, go one of two ways. It's either going to really galvanise the squad and they're going to go on and get promoted, or I think it's going to have the opposite effect and obviously. Lynn losing the playoffs. With the rest of the season in mind, I mean, um, this has all come out of the blue for Kings Lynn. So I would think uh, um, from the outside, it would look to me as if the most likely course of action is somebody to just steer the ship through to the end of the season and then appoint a new manager in the summer. Would that be your thinking too? Yeah, I think uh, as it stands, I'm led to believe that uh, Hugo Lanton, who was the assistant manager, Tommy's assistant, and Mark, who's, who's obviously the coach, that they will stay at the club and on, on, a, on an interim basis, obviously until the end of the season, until the playoffs are done and dusted. Uh, and, and then the next course of action will be decided, you know, whether they stay or a, a new manager comes in then. And, I, I, you know, if you're the chairman, Stephen Cleave, I think that's the most sensible way of, of, of approaching it. I think I'd guess they'd have to think about where they were next season as well in terms of an appointment. You know, if they were to win the playoffs, then that might potentially change the kind of person they're looking for for um, next season. Exactly. That makes a big difference. Um, And, you know, Cleve has also said that, you know, he's not prepared because of the lack of support. He's not prepared to keep putting his hands in his pocket. So, you know, he's... You you have to ask yourself, you know, that may have had an effect on 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 Tommy Widrington leaving as well. But as far as the next manager goes, you know, will the club stay? Because at the moment they're full time. So will they remain full time? Or if a new manager comes in or the current interim managers stay, you know, will they stay full time or will they go part time? Rob, just quickly to ask you, um, I know you mentioned about Ross McNeely and He's really galvanised the club. What's the reaction been amongst the fan, fan base? What I do know is that, uh, and this is a real shame, this, but I've heard a number of reports of, um, of you know, level of abuse that, that, that Ross has received recently, you know, on the back of some disappointing results, which is really, really sad. I know it goes on in 2023 and too many people have too much freedom of speech for, 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 for my liking. People seem to forget that football managers, football players are human beings and they're individuals and they they do have feelings, you know. So um, I think he's very been very, very popular as a person, Ross, uh, and uh, he's come under some flack recently from, from people questioning whether he was good enough, experienced enough, etc., to 
to you know to be able to take Aldershot Town forward. But um, I know personally from those of us uh, you know that I spend a lot of time with around the media side of things will be um, really sad for Ross because he's been an absolute delight to deal with. A very very humble man um, and and great humour as well. We've had a really good laugh these last few months. You know, win, lose or draw. So um, I'm sure the majority, the vast majority of the Aldershot Town fan base wish him all the best um, should he ultimately stay at the club back in his academy role or should he move on? Well, Greg, thanks for joining us. It's been a, it's been brilliant and a great chat and hopefully we'll speak to you during the playoffs for the National League North. Yes, yeah, most certainly. It's, uh, they're going to be very exciting and uh, I just hope we can uh, go on and do it now but you know, you you do have to have your doubts. Football's a funny old game, as they say. Yeah, and there's still, of course, um, that outside possibility, Greg, of Kings Lynn being promoted at the end of the season and all shot coming down. Yeah, yeah, that would be how how ironic would that end up uh, being if that was to happen? Um, if that doesn't Obviously. happen, then perhaps you know you can guarantee the two clubs will probably draw each other in the cup next season. <laughs> So before we look at the National League on the field action, it was FA Trophy semi-final day and it was dramatic. Both games ended up going to penalties, didn't they, Rob? Oh, yeah. I mean, you never would have believed that one of them would go to penalties. Gateshead, I think without 10 players and six players cup-tied, went into a 3-0 half, uh, first-half lead against Barnet. Who, you know, I mean, both sides have been in pretty reasonable form of late, but staggering really when I saw that scoreline they got an early early goal gates head and, and, and then they uh, doubled and tripled the lead and and you just thought wow um, Barnett got one back relatively soon after and then a second one I think midway through the second half and then it was 90 plus 12 when Pritchard got his second to take it straight to penalties you know no extra time straight to penalties and at that point, you would have massively felt that the momentum would be with Barnet, wouldn't you? But uh, fair play to uh, Gateshead and fair play to Montgomery, the goalkeeper, who we very nearly had on the show today. Um, he was the hero again with a couple of saves, wasn't he, Dickie? He was, yeah. I've seen his couple of, um, of penalty saves. Um, one of them he blocks with his legs and the other one gets his hands to. Um, yeah, and that, that set up. Um, Gateshead nicely for that that penalty shootout. It, it, Louis Story had actually scored in the regular uh, game as well. He he put them two and up. He took the decisive fourth penalty after Cabamba and um, Ryan de Havilland, a player we saw score for England C just about two weeks ago, had, had, had had their penalty saved. Um, unlike you, I thought at that point that the momentum would all be with Barnet, um, uh, but you know, tremendous from Gateshead and they've got three games in hand at the bottom of the table as well. And with the, the morale boost that this will give them, you know, um, who's to say that they can't hold on to their national league place now as well. The other game at the Jay Davison stadium as well was, was just as dramatic, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Um, Altrincham got the lead in that one and uh, it looked like that's the way it was going to finish. But again, up popped Halifax <laughs> in added time to level it and take it straight to penalties. Bizarre, really, with uh, the same thing happening in both matches. Something very similar happened in the two FA Vars semi-finals as well. They both finished two all and both went to penalties. Um, in the Altrincham and Halifax one, 
Um, there was a few issues, didn't there, I think, with people on the pitch or whatever. But once everything was cleared, um, the penalty shootout itself had a few twists and turns, didn't it? It was a great start for Alti. They were 2-0 up at one point. And then it swung the other way. And I've got this saying, you know, the team that missed first in a penalty shootout often go on to win it. And it happened again. Halifax broke Altrincham hearts. And it's Halifax against Eid at Wembley in May. Interestingly as well, both are fighting relegation. How, how do you think this will affect the, the relegation battle? Um, I don't know if it will. I don't know if it will. The games for most teams now are just going to be coming thick and fast. I think the one that's got the slightly exceptional case is Gateshead because they have that extra game to play. They do have one week, um, as um, Ian Watson said last week on our podcast, they have one week where they're going to have to go Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. But they've got so much momentum right now. I've already started discounting them as one of the teams that Aldershot have got to try and finish above. Um, you know, that's a huge compliment to Gateshead. Uh, we'll look at the league situation in a little bit more detail, won't we, in a minute. But um, Halifax, they're a little bit like um, one or two other clubs. They're not quite mathematically safe, but they're there or thereabouts. And another win or a couple of draws and a win, uh, we'll see them safe. Yeah, Halifax on 46 points. Uh, just before we look at the National League roundup fully, we've just got to obviously passing our condolences to everyone at Notts County and the family of Jason Turner, who, who died suddenly during the week at the age of 50. Notts County weren't due to play anyway this weekend, but uh, I imagine a game would have been called off. And, and there, they've said that they were, they were basically taking a few days off to digest the news. So again, uh, everyone here passes on their condolences. In the National League, then Wrexham took advantage of Notts County not playing by beating Oldham pretty comprehensively in the end there. It was a thumping win for them by five goals to one. Now, I know, Rob, with all the shot not playing, you, you took advantage of the NLTV system and were flicking around the games, weren't you? Yeah, it was really nice for me not to have to, tra- you know, not to have to travel and just to be across all the games. Uh, I was like a kid in a sweet shop, really. Loved it. You know, there's plenty of goals flying around. And I kept getting directed to the Wrexham game early on because there was disallowed goals and controversial moments. And it all didn't matter in the end because Wrexham are like a well-oiled machine at the minute, aren't they? And they scored some fantastic goals. Elliot Lee absolutely purring through the game. Another blistering finish from him. Uh your man Ryan Barnett from uh, that moved from Solihull starting to get in on the act as well. A couple of assists for Paul Mullen, who went on to get another hat trick, an outstanding finish for the third goal as well, and uh, forty-two goals for the season. Um, I wonder if you actually added up back to back all the time we've talked about Paul Mullen this season. Um, you'd probably have about a two-hour-long podcast, wouldn't you? Yes, um, he's. On fire, looking to catch Macaulay Langstaff, of course, and Wrexham now over 100 points as well in the National League um, and over 100 goals scored, of course. Pretty remarkable. Um, just to round up slightly below them in terms of the playoff spot, showed a comprehensive 4-0 win for Boreham Wood at Maidstone, which means that that's the end of Maidstone's National League adventure for this season. They have been relegated back to the National League South. Yeah, it's been a really, uh, really tough season for Maidstone. They've barely picked up a win 
this side of Christmas. And uh, yeah, they're at to actually be relegated, but relegated with kind of half a dozen games left is going to really, really hurt. Just 24 points obtained. Um, some difficult decisions made already at the club this week. George Elakobi will be in charge. He's set about who's going to be there, who's not going to be there. Uh, difficult decision around uh, Juan Luque, who uh, he's decided that he won't be at Maidstone next year. Unfortunately, he's not been able to prove his fitness. They still do have some good players there at Maidstone, but what the contract situations with those players are, I, I, I don't know. Um, and it's definitely going to be a rebuild for George Elakobi, but uh, he's certainly somebody I wouldn't want to bet against doing a good job. In terms of, of the playoffs, and as I mentioned, Bournemouth well in them after that win over Maidstone. Chesterfield, they drew nil-nil away at, at Maidenhead. I mean, we're not, it's not to be surprised really that Maidenhead take points off one of the big teams. But hearing Danny Webb afterwards, they were they were quite happy. They were frustrated not to have won, but happy that they haven't lost because they've got a terrible record at Maidenhead in the past. So, slight difference for them this year. Probably one of the misses of the season came from Andrew Dallas, as if you've not seen it. He rounded a goalkeeper and then with the goal at his mercy, fired over. But... Chesterfield solidly in the playoffs and also Southend are outside the playoffs. They ended their wretched run by winning 2-0 away at Yeovil in the late game on BT. Yeah, that was a massive game for both clubs. For Southend, a wretched, wretched run. Seven consecutive defeats, all by the one goal. And they probably just needed to do something they've been pretty good at earlier in the season, get the first goal and then see it out from there. That's what they did on Saturday for Yeovil, because particularly Gateshead's recent form that's picked up, and Dawkins, who we'll come to in just a moment, um, it's really pulled Yeovil into it. And they look the most likely um, of, you know, if we if we assume for a moment that, that Maidstone, we know, have gone, and Torquay and Scunthorpe, it's going to be a, you know, they're going to need a, a huge points haul, uh, to stay in the division. Yeovil are the team that's dropping into that dangerous fourth bottom position at the moment. And it was a big, big game for them. Um, they've kept a lot of clean sheets this season, but haven't been able to score enough goals. And it was the case again at Hewish Park against Southend in the live TV game on BT Sport. They didn't manage to score. Um, and they also had a really unfortunate injury um, to Alex Fisher, who'd not long been on in the second half. A totally innocuous coming together with Ndeng and Dee, the South End goalkeeper. Um, those who were watching it on TV will have briefly seen um, the extent of the injury, uh, which I'm sure has since been confirmed as uh, a broken leg. But uh, yeah, not a good afternoon for Yeovil at all by any stretch of the imagination. And also post-match as well, um, Jeff Brazier's question to Mark Cooper and he just basically said, recruitment's not been good enough, which, as we know, I mean, I don't think it's a massive secret, is it? It's a little thin dig at the board. They brought in a lot of players that I think Mark Cooper didn't really want. And also post-match as well, um, Jeff Brazier's question to Mark Cooper and he just basically said, recruitment's not been good enough, which... Yeah, I don't know what else to add on this because Joe did it pretty fully last week, didn't he? Um, I, it's it's not a pretty situation at Yeovil. And nobody, none of the teams involved in this relegation race want to get sucked into, uh, you know, one of those relegation positions. Yeovil will be fighting hard. And they go, ironically, to the EBB Stadium on Good Friday. So that's a 
huge game now. Uh, all the shot against Yeovil next week for, for 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 many different reasons. Again, on the side of both clubs, but um, to finish on a positive, you know, a great win for Southend. Great to see Kevin Maher interviewed after a win after the game, and that would have been a huge relief uh, to him. Uh, a very nicely taken opening goal from uh, Jake Hyde there, and then Reese Murphy. Uh, irony of ironies, coming off the bench, he's barely played this season. Uh, and volleying home the second goal against his uh, former club for whom he'd scored so many goals as well. Down at the bottom, a couple of huge results as well. Darkin won away at Dagenham Rebbage by two goals to nil. Jason Pryor and Harry Ottaway on the score sheet. And also an even bigger game, Torquay winning away at Scunthorpe. That probably all but consigned Scunthorpe to relegation. But Torquay leaves them... With a bit of a bit of hope, I think they're only three points off the getting out of the relegation zone. I know Joe's still pretty down on their prospects, but that was a massive win, wasn't it? In the end, yeah. I think in Joe's case, he'll say it's another case of it's the hope that kills you because it just keeps them, it keeps the flame flickering, doesn't it? It keeps the outside chance of their survival going, and you know I can't ever get away from. It being Gary Johnson that's in charge of them. And, uh, you know, I know Joe feels that his time is up and a lot of talky supporters do, but he's still the man I'd want. Give me 90 minutes, give me four games to try and keep a team up or six games or whatever. You know, he's he's one of the men you'd reach for. So uh, he won't give up. He will not give up right until the very end. It looks um, a pretty hopeless cause for Scunthorpe now. But I really want to reflect on Dawkins' achievement. A phenomenal week for them. Nine points collected in a week. Um, and if we just take it back to midweek, where they beat Southend by one goal to nil, prior to that game, I caught up with uh, Mark White. Mark, another Tuesday evening at Meadowbank, and you like them down here, don't you? You've had a good little run this season, and you come into this one against Southend uh, on the back of a good win on Saturday. Yeah, mate. I mean, we've... we've um... Our form has been much better. Uh, we haven't massively got results to go with that, but it's felt a better place. Um, bringing in a bit of experience has really helped us. Uh, Jason Pryor, Tony Craig, uh, you know, George Frank and Climber Titan now. It's how we play. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's actually been a good place for us all season, really, Medibank. It's, you know, if the away form was even 20% higher, we'd be comfortable mid-table. Um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to it. We look forward to all our games down here. And it's another ex-league club we want to put to the sword. And Southend, of course, everybody will look at, it, look at their current form. But they're a big club. They've got some very good players. And every one of those six defeats have been by one goal. So they've been tight, haven't they? <coughs> See, these defeats, mate, they, you know, it's a big, it's a big trench to be in. And, and I, I, what I'd say is this. If there was one manager and team that was allowed a massive slide this year, it should be them. I think it's almost... You know, um, almost not moral to identify with people waking up all over Christmas, not getting paid and not knowing how they're going to pay their mortgage. And if you don't think that leaves a stress and a strain on people, you know, then you wouldn't be human. So I feel like there's definitely an element of after the Lord Mayor's show with what they've been through this year. And I think for me, you know, it's so easy for people to turn the other cheek, but when the season's said and done, uh, what Kev's done there for that club has been remarkable. It's been superb and I just want to add at this point Dorkin Wanderers has been a breath of fresh air in the National League and you know that I hope that we see you here again <laughs> I know next God, year. But we might even let you score a goal against Aldershot no, next we'll year, Mark. we'll never score against Aldershot. <laughs> yeah, we, are, we are one of them teams, we have teams that we never lose to like Barnet and teams we always lose to like Aldershot. But that's football, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You get your good and bad sides. 
And Rob, it was another first for Darkin, wasn't it? It was indeed. They'd won back-to-back games on four occasions this season, but it's the first time Dorking Wanderers have ever won three back-to-back games in the National League. Uh, two clean sheets to boot as well, and uh, um, well, no goals conceded from open play at all because the one goal they conceded in the three-one win against Maidenhead uh, the week before was from the penalty spot. So uh, they really have started to find a way, Dorking Wanderers, to. Uh, to grind games out at this level, um, keep clean sheets, and uh, you know they just look a whole more lot more defensively solid. I think Mark probably feels that it's not his preferred type of football. He'd rather be a lot more front foot, a lot more gung ho. But they've been so picked off all season at the back, haven't they, Dawkins? That they had to try and find a better balance, and they certainly look to have found that. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, how they can keep this momentum going for the remainder of the season. Uh, a little bit like Halifax, they're almost safe now. One more win and a draw or two, and Dorking will be confirmed as in the National League for next season. Yeah, I suppose that's one thing Mark White's learned, is that maybe they do have to rein it in a little bit. And the other game, Bromley 4, Solihull Moors nil. Pretty comprehensive there, a couple of goals for Michael Cheek and also one for Corey Whiteley. And Harry Forster as well with a goal there. Let's look at the National League South. In the National League South, another step towards promotion for Ebsley. They won away at Taunton. We know what a tough place it is to go to at Taunton this season. And not a lot happened until the 86th minute when Lee Lucas was sent off a straight red card. And then Dominic Polion, as he'd done so often this season, scored very late on. He did. Another goal to his tally. Terrific season he's had. Dominic Polion. Look forward to seeing him in the National League next season. And uh, yeah, there have been a killer blow for Taunton, who've uh, obviously had that previously brilliant home record that's been shattered to pieces in recent weeks. Uh, a draw at home to the uh, runaway leaders would have been good for them. But uh, no, stolen away in the 89th minute. And, you know, title chasing or title winning teams have a habit of uh, being able to find a way somehow, some way. And uh, yeah, Polian did it again late on for Ebsfleet. Dartford are in second. They are favourites now to get that playoff or, or avoid the playoff eliminator and get that home tie in the playoff semi-final. Alex Wall's hat-trick saw off Dulwich Hamlet. They went by four goals to nil. A goal in there as well for Harvey Bradbury. Oxford City matched that. They won 4-0 as well at home to Tombridge. Tombridge, you've been in decent form, but Oxford just blew them away. And another hat-trick hero, this time it was Kaladi Lolos. Uh, not many lols for Tombridge in that one, but uh, both good wins for Dartford and Oxford City. Yeah, absolutely. I think Oxford City have really got that second or third place finish in their sights now. They'll want to avoid what they had to do last year. They had to play away in the playoff eliminator at Dorking. And that was it. Bang. They were taken care of and they were out of it. So this time, if they get one stage further automatically and then have a home tie, they'll massively increase their chances of of getting promotion. And it would be great to see Oxford City in the National League. As for that other game, well, let's flip it round. What will be the effects of that Dartford for Dulwich Hamlet nil scoreline? Dulwich Hamlet have dropped into the bottom four now. So Hakan Hayritten has come in and, uh, you know, 
they had a, a pretty good chance of avoiding the drop. But uh, so far, a couple of weeks in, he's not going too well. Um, and uh, I'm sure that Dulwich and, and Hakan can pull it around. There's a few other teams within reach that they can get past to climb to safety. But uh, I, I don't want to be a doom-monger here, but what an awful season it would be for Hakan Hayret. And if he was dismissed of uh, his duties at uh, Maidstone as they were plummeting towards relegation and then took over at Dulwich and actually went down with them. Let's hope it doesn't happen. And also the other thing is you've got to kind of sit on the hands and hope that Concord and Hungerford don't pick up points. Concord have five games in hand on Dulwich and Hungerford have two, so they'll be keeping keen eye on those results. St Albans also in the playoffs. They drew 1-1 away at Chippenham. Joe Hanks hoping to score in on 46 minutes, but then Zane Banton equalised on 52 Braintree's uh, playoff hopes have taken a little bit of a stumble. They are still in sixth, but they've got Farmer breathing down the next. Farmer didn't play. Their game was called off against Worthing. But Braintree, after only recently losing their unbeaten home record, have lost another game at home, this time to Dover. They did indeed. A couple of goals there for Luke Wanadio um, and... Uh... Yeah, Dover have, 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 have found a little bit of form here and there in the last couple of weeks, haven't they, as well? Um, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's not done and dusted at all at either end, is it? There's a lot of jostling for position. Um, and, uh, you know, one or two sides that have been in the playoffs nearly all season have dropped out. Obviously, Worthing not playing yesterday, but they've dropped out of the uh, playoff positions. And uh, um, it's going to run and run, isn't it, in the National League South? There's very few clubs involved that uh, have got nothing to play for. And the question I was going to ask, I was rhetorical possibly, but how the hell are, how, how the hell are um, Concord Rangers going to get all their games in? They've played 35 games. That means they have 11 games left to play in the in the time that remains. That's crazy. I'm guessing I'll have to play the odd Thursday. That'll be coming up as well. Um, and at the bottom, Weymouth couldn't take advantage of those postponements. They lost 1-0 at home to Eastbourne Borough. So a bit of a, a blow for Weymouth there. Absolutely, yeah. They, uh, they've they been in the fight all season, haven't they? Uh, and I think uh, in the manager that they've got there, they've got a great chance of, of getting out of it. But um, it's going to be a right old scramble and it's going to go to the wire, I'm sure. And Ebsley, of course, can be champions on Friday if they uh, if they secure victory, of course. Is that right, Dick? Is it a victory or...? I just need to I avoid... The moment, they, they, they've got 21 points uh, advantage at the moment. Dartford have got um, two games in hand on them, but Dartford have got 21 points available. So Dartford only have to drop a single point in the seven games you've got remaining and they, they can't catch them. A little birdie tells us that the uh, National League South trophy will be at Ebbsfleet just in case it's required next weekend. Yeah, it could well be a good Friday indeed for Ebbsfleet. So we're going to go now with the National League North and it was a funny old week for Fylde, hasn't it? Yeah, it certainly has been. Um, they had um, a a very, very unexpected result in midweek, um, losing 3-0 at home to Bly Spartans, who, um, you know, in desperate need of the points at the bottom end of the table. But I don't think anybody was expecting a, a, a 3-0 
win for the away side there. Filed also had the blow of having Nick Horton dismissed, picking up two yellow cards. So he's going to serve a suspension at some point as well, which is probably for their Good Friday game, I would think, which, um, yeah, is not ideal. Um, Cedric Main got Blythe um, on uh, the road for that one in just a six minute. Jordan Hickey then added a second in the 87th minute. Horton was dismissed. I can only assume there might have been some frustration involved in that. And then Troy Chiarbi um, went through to score the third goal in the fourth minute of injury time. That, uh, absolutely superb result for Blythe that, um, you know, just should give them so much heart at the bottom of the table when they're fighting for every point. Yeah, File did follow that up though with a with a good win over... Brackley in the end uh, on the Saturday. So they bounced back well from that, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And, you know, Horton um, playing yesterday ahead of, ahead of that suspension scored twice in the 39th and the 48th minute. He's so important to them. Um, there was a third goal added from Sia uh, Ligenza and, on the hour mark. Um, Brackley, I think that's them pretty much done as far as... Um, any title talk is concerned. I think they're they're too far behind now. They've just got to look to secure uh, their playoff position. I filed. I've got a five point lead at the top of the table now over Kingsley. And obviously, we heard from Greg earlier about Lynn and, and heard about their one nil win at Chorley. Um, it's a shame he wasn't at the game. We didn't get to ask him about the the really big moment in that one, which um, was uh, came. Pretty close to the end of the game, a free kick from Billy Whitehouse of Chorley, which has been shared plenty on social media. Seems to strike the other side of the bar. Does it bounce down over the line wholly or was it not quite over the line? Um, Chorley felt that it was in. Kingsland played on. The play went to the other end and Gold Mateo scored the winning goal um, in the 89th minute, literally from the, the next phase of attacking play that followed that one from Chorley. So Chorley... At the point of looking like they might be getting the goal to win the game, subsequently lose the game, uh, uh, have the concede the goal that loses them the game. Um, and yeah, what a tumultuous day for Kingsland yesterday with all that going on and the stuff around Tommy Widrington. Chester remain in third. They had a really good win away at Darlington, who were just in a bit of a rut at the minute, aren't they? Yeah, Darlington's form has, uh, has faltered a little bit. Um, you, you would, on the face of it, you think they're probably still good enough to be a playoff side, but they they do need to pick up a few more wins um, in these last few weeks of the seasons to make sure of that one, because there is a a pack behind them which are closing in. Uh, Declan Weeks again, we've spoken about his importance to Chester. He put them on the board in the 40th minute, and then Elliot Whitehouse, who's on loan to them from Scunthorpe, I think he scored in the 64th minute uh, to give them a two 0 lead. Darlington did get a goal back pretty late on through Jake Lawler in the second minute of, of second half injury time. But yeah, too little, too late for them. Alfredson have sneaked into the playoff pitch. They've not really been talked about, but they carried on their good form. They beat Leamington by two goals to nil, a result which uh, isn't good for Leamington either. No, it isn't. No, Leamington very much in need of the points um, in the bottom four, as as a good many teams are down there. Um, it's very, very tight. Alfreton unbeaten in their last four now. They they lost uh, 1-0 at home to Foyle recently, but they haven't had too many um, um, poor results of late. They uh, got the job done yesterday with goals from Bailey Hobson and almost inevitably Matt Reed. You know, he, he has his detractors, um, but 
he's hugely effective at this level and he's got the goals to prove it this season. Um, yeah, bad news for Leamington, that one, though. Uh, they are actually in the bottom four at the moment on 42 points from 41 games, which is exactly the same number of points and games played as Blythe. Farsley just a point ahead of them. So, you know, Leamington are, are really in it and really need to, to dig out another couple of wins themselves at the very least um, if they're going to make themselves safe. Kettering against Scarborough, that had repercussions at both ends of the table as well. That finished in a draw, but at least Kettering scored. Yeah, they did. I think Kettering, I, I think I'd read that Kettering had only scored five times in their last 12 matches and that three of those goals had actually come in one game. So it's pretty obvious to see where the problems are for Kettering, um, which is putting the ball in the net. They did get a goal yesterday. Keaton Ward equalising in the 79th minute after uh, Lewis Maloney had put Scarborough ahead in the 62nd number of times this season and we've said about Kettering that you know they've picked up draws and said that uh, it's reasonable but it's not enough of a help for them really and and I think Kettering um they're a, they're a hard side to beat but they don't tend to win very many either and I think that's their big Achilles heel really is defensively they're not bad at all but yeah scoring goals is absolutely the problem Scarborough they're just staying in touch with the playoff places at the moment but again um, their, their form is a little bit shaky at the moment. They've dropped down into the very last playoff place. Um, Alfreton on 60 points, Scarborough on 60 points, and Gloucester, who were in eighth, the one position outside of the playoffs, they are on 60 points as well. So, you know, when I talk about that pack chasing Darlington, who are on 62 and Brackley on 64, you know, I don't think those sides can be taking it for granted that they're guaranteed a playoff place. Could Buxton make it in there in a real rich vein of form at the minute they won again on Saturday against Spennymoor and they're only two points behind aren't they they are Buxton this is quite some story under Craig Elliott it's now 15 matches unbeaten in the league uh, for them they uh, had a 2-0 lead by half-time yesterday in their game at home against Spennymoor. Sam Osborne, um, who came on board from AFC Fylde partway through the season, he was surplus to requirements um, on the Lancashire coast, but he seems to have found a home um, in Derbyshire now very much. So Glenn Taylor got a goal back for Spennymoor in the 87th minute to um, just mean that there were a few nerves at the end of that game. But yeah, Buxton, they are in uh, an absolutely tremendous run of form. They have momentum. They're in 10th position. Um, they're only a point behind Chorley and then we've spoken about that group of teams on 60 um, yeah they, they've absolutely got a chance and, and with the form that they're in and given that some of those teams that are in the playoffs are faltering a little bit they they they, they have well yeah they've got form they've got momentum if they got into the playoffs it could be quite a dangerous side as well I would think on a one-off basis yeah it's really interesting down at the bottom Farsley, they lost at home 1-0 to Kidderminster. Leamington, as we mentioned, lost 3-0. Uh, Blythe and Bradford Parkhamney both drew as well. So it's kind of as you were down at the bottom, isn't it? Yeah, nobody seems to be uh, taking the opportunities to make a, a break for freedom in that in that um, uh, bottom of the table, apart from Telford, who are making a break for freedom in the opposite direction. Um, Christian Pierce scored the winner for Kidderminster yesterday against Farsley after just four minutes. Um, and then 
Yeah, Farsley had 86 minutes to try and get something out of that one. They did retrieve a point late on with a Frank Mulhern goal last time out, but they couldn't get anything this week. And yeah, they, they stay mired in trouble at the bottom of the table as well. Um, Blythe had a goalless draw at Banbury. Banbury, they're in poor form as well. Um, they did have a man sent off as well uh, in Jay Williams, who I believe was um, a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity in the first half. It wasn't a penalty kick, but Banbury reduced to 10 men. And that didn't do anything for their chances of getting maximum points from the game, which they really needed. Um, and, and a goalless draw doesn't really do an awful lot for either side, to be perfectly honest. Um, Bradford Park Avenue, um, yeah, we spoke about them as well. Um, they had a goalless draw at Kurz Nashton, which on the face of it is a reasonable result. But again, in the situation they're in, simply may not be enough. Yeah, they are eight points behind Farsley. Telford, they lost again, didn't they, Dickie? And um, it's kind of, well, I mean, it's been a while where they've needed snookers, but they need two snookers now, I think, don't they? Uh, we need not only two snookers, I think we need the snooker hall to be evacuated. The situation with Telford is that they are essentially 15 points from safety with 15 points to play for. Um, and with a goal difference of minus 32 and people feeling that perhaps is almost, that, that's almost a point in itself that they are as, as good as down. Now, Farsley still have Blythe left to play. And given that Farsley and Blythe won't be playing that game for no reward whatsoever, um, if either Farsley or Blythe win that game, uh, the points they would gain would put them too far ahead of Telford for Telford to catch them. If it's a draw, the point each would put them too far ahead of Telford for Telford to catch them. So, in effect, the fact that that, that game still remains means that Telford are down, effectively. Um, although, you know, I don't suppose until that game has actually been played and we've got the outcome of it that we can truly say that. But it's one of those things that, um, it, it, yeah, it's... Telford are not going to get a stay of execution at this point. Um, it's just um, merely a case of sort of like what method of ex- execution um, is chosen for them. You know, will it be at their own hands? They could go down on Tuesday because Farsley are at home to Brackley on Tuesday. If Brackley win that one, Telford at least get to take it into Friday. But if uh, Farsley get a minimum of a point from that game, one, then Telford are gone. Yeah, you'll be relying on the AGM Cup, I think, won't you? <laughs> Once again, I think we'd probably have to rely on a bomb scare at the Celtic Manor and doing something with the uh, yeah uh, the, the papers and the the financial assessments that everybody's taken with them to try and get something out of the bag. You know, I'm joking about these things. Maybe there's a touch of gallows humour there about it. Um, but yeah, Telford's fate has probably been long sealed, really. And uh, yeah, they're just having to make plans for for how they get themselves back into this division hopefully in a couple of years time but of course there's no guarantees with that well that is it thank you very much for joining us don't forget to follow us on social media at nl full time uh, that's on twitter and also on instagram uh, thanks for joining us dicky no you're very welcome i don't, I don't mind pouring my heart out over uh, telford's troubles to you once a week it's absolutely fine <laughs> Yeah, it's like therapy for you now, isn't it? Uh, Rob, thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure as always. It's been an absolutely crazy day. Good to chew it over with you guys. Still trying to get my head around it all, but uh, uh, I'm sure all will uh, be revealed and become clear over the next few days. Great. Well, enjoy the week's football coming up. A big Easter weekend, of course, on the way, and we'll see you all very soon. (laughs) 